Welcome back to part two of Chill With Us. We're here to talk about more nonsense. Welcome back to another Foolish Wanderers podcast, the podcast about anything and everything. Today is part two of Chill With Us, where we talk about more nonsense. Foolishly. Foolishly. Foolishly talk about nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, not nothing, because it's actually kind of interesting. Interesting history facts. Yeah, but it won't help you change a tire. No, well, I, we can't teach them to <laughs> change a tire. It's not useful information. It's more like fun tidbits. So you can yeah. be the weirdo at a party. Exactly. Yep. Oh, I've been telling my coworker about some of these weird things that I learned about for this podcast, and she looks at me and like, okay. <laughs> I get that look a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was telling her about one of the topics I'm going to tell you guys about today, and she just kind of looks at me and she's like, you like this weird stuff, don't you? I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. It's what I do in my free time. <laughs> just look up, look up the weird things. All right, should we get into our first topic? Let's get into it. All right. So yeah, so like part one, Kendra, so I did some... Like, kind of just, like, surface-level research of just some interesting tidbits, and Kendra has no idea what we're talking about. I so- don't, because <laughs> I was on a business trip and was yeah. too busy. Too busy on a business, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so first, we're going to be talking about parachuting beavers. And yes, they actually parachuted beavers. The animal? Yes, the actual animal, yeah. We're not talking about, like, a sports team, it's actual beaver animals that yeah, that non wood and build dams. Alright. I'm gonna assume this is the military's doing. <laughs> Actually no, it's not. What? <laughs> no. And just like part one, I'll leave the links to the articles and like I have a couple of videos that I'll set I'll put in the description of this podcast. So that way you guys can follow along and check out what we're actually looking at. So yeah, let's get into it. Was there like this is why I'm thinking off the top of my head for why there would be parachuting beavers. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was some sort of natural disaster where this river dammed over and it was inaccessible by anything other than a plane. So, like, maybe the U.S. government then decided to have to parachute beavers down into that area to chew through the, the trees and the wood <laughs> to help the, the, the river flow through the dam. I mean... It kind of got halfway there, and it was an op, and it was a secret op called Operation Buckteeth. <laughs> Buckteeth. <laughs> Operation Slappy Tail. I like that one better. Slappy Tail's better. I like it. So you got it half right. So they did parachute these beavers to a remote location, uh, but not to break up a dam. Darn it. So, so the first article we're going to be looking at is Boise State Public Radio dot org. Oh, this would happen in Idaho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright. So this happened over 60 years ago. Idaho Fish and Game has always struggled with beavers. Apparently, like these beavers, especially as like the population grows, they get the beavers get too close to people and cause problems. So entrapping and rehoming them apparently can be tough. Why? It's expen- Wait a oh. second. So parachuting a beaver is less expensive? <laughs> The fuel of the plane alone. 
Yeah, well, we'll kind of get into it, like, why they thought this is a good idea. Like, Trina, the parachutes need to be customized to fit the little beaver body. Oh, like, (laughs) well, it's not like a parachuting, like, like a harness. It's like a box. (laughs) Oh, they put it in a box. Yeah. Yeah, They're not going to train them to pull the release cord and, like, skitter away. (laughs) But, I mean, it seems very, like, obvious that it would just be cheaper to capture it and relocate it. Yeah, Rather than being, like... We're gonna parachute this beaver into the <laughs> into the mountains. Like, I've already called <laughs> up a designer. We got a beaver parachute on custom order. Yeah. Well, if you go back to one of our strangest inventions, right? We can go back to the little camera harness they put on pigeons. We talk not about beavers. This? Oh yeah, the camera. But it's like, harness. isn't it a spy gadgets? That's right. Yes, yes, it was that. What number was the spy gadgets? Oh, I don't know. Let me look it up. Hold <laughs> on, let me it up. That was okay. a while ago. We're already on. What episode is it? 62? 63, I think. 63? Yeah. But yeah, so those, those pigeons in the previous episode, they actually had to have specially like designed harnesses. These beavers are just, we'll get into the box dynamics, but yeah, this is not as high tech as that. <laughs> All right, Wackiest Spy Gadgets, which features the pigeon camera harness, was episode 52. Oh, and wow, we so talked about 10 to, episodes. That's a long, that's a few episodes ago. And we talked about, what was it, the umbrella, some, that's all I remember is the umbrella. The umbrella, yeah, that was probably the most interesting one. We did the, also... the lipstick gun, I remember that. There's a lot of guns. There's a lot of guns. <laughs> yeah, a lot if of projectiles. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so... Apparently, it's expensive and hard to find a good habitat for beavers, especially once they've gotten into an area and that's where they've lived for hundreds of years and, like, have adapted to that area. Yeah. It's kind of hard to move them. Well, so this story begins in 1948. So it was just after, just after World War I, and people discovered that a beautiful place called McCall and Payette Lake, where they were at. So they decided this is where they wanted to settle and this is where people wanted to move. Well, apparently when people started building homes, quote, uh, so this is a quote from Idaho Fishing Games, Steve Leibenthal, I believe is how you say his name. This is his quote. And in the process, kind of moved into where these beavers had been going, doing their things for decades, centuries, and beavers became a problem. So basically, people moved in and they decided the beavers that were there were causing issues. (laughs) Like all of a sudden, oh, beavers are the problem. They are sort of a problem. So my first car that I got in high school was the hand-me-down car that my dad had previously driven that he parked outside by the side of the house, which was by some trees. Okay. So one day he went outside in the morning to do some outdoor work, whatever, Mm -hmm. and he noticed that a beaver had chewed down a tree that had landed perfectly on top of the car's <gasps> trunk like the front oh no so the front or the trunk the front i don't the know what dunk- it's called the trunk is the back but what's the, the yeah. thing that the hood the hood that's what i the want hood. The, hood. <laughs> the engine's at yeah yep so it hit perfectly on the hood and there was a nice big dent oh could you still drive it or was it yeah, like, you oh, could still drive. It was a small like oh, okay. birch tree, but he was oh, okay. not happy, and he declared no. war against them. And they still have yet to find peace. <laughs> Is he still out there battling with the beavers? Uh huh. Oh yeah. Just like oh man, just like the emu war. Spill the fence. 
Not made out of wood. <laughs> okay, so then, so after Leibenthal and, like, all these fishing game, like, people, they decided, you know, like, they need help, specialty, someone with a specialty with, like, beavers that deal, dealt with beavers, they needed to call somebody in to help them with this, right? To help rehome the beavers. So they called in Elmo Heater. Heater worked for Idaho Fishing Game in the McCall area, so he was from where all these beavers were, and he had a lot of experience with them. So it was his job then to find a solution, like what to do, where to rehome them. All right, so Heater knew that Chamberlain Basin was a perfect place for the beavers. The animals would be away from people, and their natural activity would be beneficial to the habitat. This is a quote from Heater. So the trouble is that the Chamberlain Basin is now is in what is now the Frank Church River of No Return Wilderness. So basically, it's a really hard area to get into. There's not any roads. He said there's no... It's like, basically, humans can't go there. Okay, yeah, no like, return. Yeah, no return. There you go. Got it. So, Heater then thought about packing the beavers into the wilderness. So basically, ship them out there. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's called no return, so the beavers won't return. Woo! Yeah, exactly. Problem the solved. Back here. Ooh. <laughs> now, that would be that will be $100,000. That is my beaver, beaver removal fee. Yes. But so his original idea was to pack them on mules or like horses to take them out there. What the heck? This is in the 40s. This is in the late 40s. So what? They're just going to put the little beaver on a saddle of a donkey and put a little cowboy <laughs> hat on it and it goes, yeah. Yep, just ride it out there. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think they're actually trying to like put them in like boxes or bags no, or something. No, don't ruin them. it for the listeners. Don't ruin it for the <laughs> listeners. Everyone okay. picture a little beaver riding on a custom saddle on top of a donkey. Saddle. With cute little cowboy boots. It's got little chaps on. Oh, <gasps> cute. Cute. <laughs> and little boots. New little boots. <laughs> and it's got a little handgun. <laughs> Don't give beavers guns. And it's been deputized. Oh, no. It's a Texas <laughs> Ranger. <laughs> no. Could you just wrote like a whole new TV series for kids? <laughs> Oh, this wouldn't be for kids. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. It's for Kendra. It's for, yeah, it's for Kendra's age group. <laughs> right. But apparently, they must have done some testing, like trying to get these beavers into saddles or boxes or whatever. But it turns out, apparently, beavers and mules do not mix. I don't so- know who th- <laughs> would think that they would. Apparently, Leibenthal and Heater, Heater did. They tried it. These people so, don't know anything. <laughs> yep. So apparently, um, like, the horses get spooked around beavers. Yeah. Beavers are freaky looking. I think they're kind of cute. They're cute, but, like, if you really, uh, like, look at it, like, unpack what a beaver is, it's freaky. Yeah. It's yeah, got true. little rat hands. It's <laughs> got, like, a f- pimp fur coat on. And then, yeah. like, a leathery flat tail at the end. Yeah, and they are like, an interesting big, creature. long yellow teeth. That if it doesn't destroy trees and chew, the teeth mm-hmm. will grow and eventually go through like the beaver's mouth. Yeah, that's a freaky. So that's and... a freaky thing. Isn't that with like all rodents? Like, doesn't that happen to like mice and stuff too? I don't know about that one. Okay, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, you'll have to look that up. But it, the beavers, like I said, freaky things, and horses yeah. are kind of prissy. <laughs> They are. They have custom shoes that they wear. Yeah, fair enough. Some of them are in pageants where their manes get braided. 
Yeah, I've I've learned more about that as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them are athletes life. that run around in a track on like, and they have little men or women ride them wearing striped pajamas with a little like <laughs> helmet. Like beaver, like these, like horses are prissy, and a beaver is just kind of like a freak of nature, <laughs> right? So yeah, I'd be if I was a prissy little pony, I with you know custom fancy shoes, I'd be scared of that beaver too. Yeah. You're not sending me out on some weird journey of point of no return to bring some beaver to a new home. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So although this plan didn't work. Heater somehow knew that there was a surplus of parachutes from World War One, which had just ended. So I don't know how he figured Wait, World that out. War II, do you mean? Sorry, World War II, yeah. Okay, so I World thought we were II. talking about the 40s. I'm sorry, I, I like, meant oh. World War II. <laughs> I mixed it up. So from World World War Two. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, sorry. No, you're fine. Okay. So since he knew somehow that there was apparently a surplus of parachutes, he decided or he came up with this, he came up with this idea. What if we just dropped the beavers from a plane? No, it's just <laughs> sad. no. Yeah. It's sad so, because these parachutes are going to get stuck in the tree and then the beavers are just going to be left there in a box to die. I mean, it could have happened, but we'll we'll kind of go into more like how they actually made this box. Okay. Okay. So Heater knew that it would solve the problem in McCall and help the habitat in Chamberlain. He also knew that it would make good use of the excess parachutes and it would save some money with like how they would transport the beavers there. So the estimated cost for dropping four beavers from a plane was around $30 in 1948, which is about $294 in today's money. So that's for four beavers. So that's a lot of money. (laughs) A lot of money. (laughs) But apparently it saved money. So now he had a plan, so he decided to go forward with this drop them out of a plane plan. Okay. So he had to figure out how to drop them safely, which, yeah. So first, (laughs) (laughs) so his first idea was a woven willow box that once it hit the ground with a beaver inside, the animal could chew its way to freedom. That was Heater's first plan. But Leibenthal said that didn't work, which, I mean, if it didn't, if the beaver didn't have the instinct to chew on it, it probably wouldn't. Plus, it's probably terrified and could knock them out when he landed, right? Yep. It'd be confused. It'd be, yeah, plus, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so, quote, the beavers went to work immediately upon being put into one of these boxes and was feared that they might chew their way out while dropping from the sky. Yeah, that was my thought. But <laughs> Yeah. Yep. They'd just be raining beavers. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So they even thought too that if they chewed through these boxes before they were let go, they could get out, get out in the plane and start like running around and causing havoc in the plane, and then take over, and yeah, then they... create, and then land and <laughs> take over the state of Idaho. Mm-hmm. They make their own metropolis, their own beaver utopia. Mm-hmm. I liked. I w- I would have liked that more. Oh, it could have been a theme park. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> No, it would have been like Planet Planet of the Apes, but with the beavers. Yeah, Planet of the Beavers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Valley of the Beavers. Valley of the Beavers. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. All right. So Heater came up with a specially designed wooden box that would open upon impact. So he tested it first with some dummy weights. And he found, so then after he tested it with these dummy weights, he found an older male beaver who became his test pilot. Yeah, yeah. 
he named it Geronimo. Oh. <laughs> so, Why? He, yeah. So, in a quote from Liebenthal, he says, And Geronimo went through a series of tests to see how this plan would work. So this poor beaver didn't ask for this and just got tossed around in boxes mm-hmm. a lot. So he dropped Geronimo on a landing field over and over and over again. Each time the poor beaver popped out of the box, he was immediately caught by handlers and put oh, back inside. This is sad. It's really sad. This part is really sad. This is see, this is the stuff that like I would I understand PETA's position. Yeah, this is the stuff like yeah. you know, I eat a cheeseburger and you break down <laughs> sobbing while pouring like pig blood over you watching me oh, eat it. Weird. Like that's oh. weird. That's but this weird. beaver thing, I get. This is, you know, yeah, messed this, up. This is cool. Yeah, this is, this is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So a quote from Heater, he says, Poor fellow. He he became finally resigned, and as soon as we approached him, he would crawl back into his box, ready to go again. Oh my god! So gosh. Like, they trained him so many times. That this poor beaver was like, oh, here we go again. And like, oh, <laughs> that hurts me. <laughs> like that. That's actually really this sad. This is sad. Justice for Geronimo. Yeah. Well, so apparently once Heater was satisfied with his tests, his plan went into action. And Geronimo's reward for all of his hard work was apparently to be the first male beaver. Oh, that's great. (laughs) First male beaver on a first class seat on a plane to the Chamberlain Basin. Oh, wow. First class seat. I hope they had service with it, too. Nice hot (sighs) towel with a thing of wood. Can they, like, bring him some, like, little peanuts or something? Yeah, you're gonna bring him peanuts or pretzels? Yeah, ooh, pretzels. Yeah. Yeah, would you like a glass of water or maybe some flat Coke? (laughs) Not even sparkling Coke. (laughs) Flat. Yep. So once they hit the ground, it took Geronimo a little while to figure out that he was done parachuting. So apparently he tried to stay in the box, but then eventually realized, yeah, I feel bad. But eventually he realized, oh, I'm free. And he left. Yeah. And was free to go. Forever. Forever. Yes. Until he so, probably died a week later because of internal I mean, bleeding from the <laughs> subject of this horrible plan. I really hope not, but we don't know. So after that, more beavers fo- more beavers followed Geronimo. 76 in all were dropped into the basin. So 76 beavers were rehomed. Did they, they all survived? All but one. So there was one <gasps> unfortunate casualty, but yeah, I know. A moment I know. of silence. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> we like, stared at each other. Yeah, we silence. stared at each other in silence. It felt oh, bad. Yeah, it is sad. All right, so Leventhal says he's not sure why the project didn't didn't continue past 1948 because it's stupid and you're an idiot and go yeah well this is Leventhal. This isn't Heater. Heater's the one that came up with this plan. Leventhal was the one that hired Heater or helped hire you're Heater. Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, but apparently, a quote from Leibenthal says, But my assumption is that they are accomplished, that they accomplished what they wanted to do in the area, and there's no need to continue. So, basically, they did, they rehomed all the beavers that they needed to, and they're like, okay, we're done. (laughs) So, So yeah, so apparently the beavers went pretty, like, the rehoming of them went pretty well, and they're still thriving. Yeah, he says that, apparently Leibenthal says that today there's still offspring of those first beavers that are living in the valley. So, yeah, they're habitating the French church wilderness. I'm still sad about that one beaver (laughs) that died. I know. But I'm glad there's, 
like wasn't any war, right? Because that would have been horrific. But if you're kind of what do you mean war? More. Oh, I thought you said O R E. I thought you said war. Oh no! Like, I was <laughs> like, what? The? I was like, what are you talking about? No, it's a beaver war. They just they come back. They come back riding their horses. Yeah, like riding past. their horses. Yeah, with a like a yeah with a war cry and then yeah. Yep, Beaver Valley. So yeah, that was the time where we dropped air dropped beavers to rehome them. Humans are so stupid. <laughs> there's like there's history bits like this. That's kind of like yeah you why <laughs> yeah why somebody got why? paid to do this i don't know how much he got paid but i think it was a lot it, 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 it definitely was a lot it was a government yeah. job oh definitely a lot <laughs> it was like a fishing game wildlife job they so. get paid a lot <laughs> all right should we go to our last topic of the last main topic i should say of the episode sure so the last topic that i have when i heard about this i didn't think it was true but it makes me laugh, and I love the fact that it is true. So apparently Napoleon was attacked by rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, this is barely true. That's so, okay. so buckle up. Alright, so this article we're going to be looking at is from mentalfloss.com. It is called, The Time Napoleon Was Attacked by Rabbits. Yes. So history tells us that Napoleon's most upsetting defeat came at Waterloo, or it might have happened eight years earlier when he was attacked by a relentless horde of rabbits. <laughs> Backstory, please. Right, so, okay, here we go. All right. So there are a couple versions of the story. However, it's mostly said that it happened in July 1807 after Napoleon signed the treaties of Tilsit, which ended the war between the French Empire and Imperial Russia. Um, look, he was looking to celebrate. So he asked, so he proposed that they have a rabbit hunt. And he asked his chief of staff, Alexander Berthier, to make it happen. That's how you say it, right? Berthier? Probably. Berthier. Maybe. Something like that. We're okay. not French. We don't know. I apologize. <laughs> So Berthier arranged an outdoor luncheon, invited some of the military's biggest biggest names, and collected a colony of rabbits. Some say, so it's kind of debated, some stories say he took in hundreds of bunnies or rabbits. Some claimed, and this is I think the more believed one, is that he had as many as 3,000 rabbits. Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, so imagine ha even having that many rabbits a small in town one spot. Of rabbits. So regardless, there were a lot of rabbits. Berthier and his men caged all these rabbits and put them around a grassy field. So, like, they were ready for when Napoleon showed up, they'd let him go, right? So, when Napoleon showed up, he was accompanied by his other friends and other, like, high-ranked officers and things, right? And the rabbits were released. Well, something <laughs> didn't go quite as planned because usually you'd think rabbits would be, like, running away, you know, like, trying to get away from people. No, they instead bounded toward Napoleon and his men, and hundreds of fuzzy bunnies ran at Napoleon. <laughs> like an ocean, like a yeah. wave. Could you imagine, even if it is only like a couple hundred bunnies, could you imagine how terrifying that would be just having them all run at you? A stampede of rabbits. It's a stampede of rabbits, yeah. So at first, Napoleon and his, like, his friends, they were laughing, but they didn't stop. The bunnies did not stop. So as they saw that they weren't stopping or running away, they became slightly concerned. So, so the rabbits allegedly swarmed Napoleon's legs and started climbing up his jacket. And he, Napoleon tried shooting at them, and his men grabbed at sticks and tried like beating the rabbits off and were chasing them. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the coachman cracked their bullwhips <sighs> to scare the bunnies, but they didn't stop. They just kept going. 
This is hilarious. They <laughs> knew that Napoleon fun. was a was you know rotten. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Napoleon fled. He ran to his carriage, but the bunnies still didn't stop. The rabbit horde divided into two wings and poured around the flanks of the party and headed for the imperial coach. So basically, they parted like the Red Sea and flanked <laughs> the coach. <laughs> They're trying to take him out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They had a mission. So they, even though Napoleon was inside of his carriage, the bunnies leapt onto the carriage and they only stopped when the coach rolled away. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yep. So it was apparently Berthier's fault because apparently rather than trapping wild rabbits, he he and his men bought tame rabbits from local farmers. As a result, the rabbits didn't see Napoleon as a hunter, as something to be feared. They saw him as a waiter bringing them food. Their daddy. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, ooh, food. And that's why they weren't afraid of him. Can you imagine if they would have killed him? Kill- How did a bunch of bunnies kill him? I don't know, but I think that would just be like a crazy headline. Like a, bunch, <laughs> a, hor- a swarm, a stampede of rabbits kill Napoleon. Assassin bunnies. That's we'd have a whole new version of Assassin's Creed at that point. Oh yeah, it'd be a bunny <laughs> flying doing the little the <laughs> Oh man. But just that visual. Could you imagine how funny yet terrifying that would be? Like not knowing how to get them off of you wild. and they just keep chasing you? That would just be wild. Oh man. So I don't, it is, I don't know what happened to all the rabbits after that. They probably just let him go, which is kind of sad because they're all tame. Um, it's Napoleon. But, I yeah. don't think they got off free. Oh, true. Yeah. I bet he ate a lot of rabbit stew after that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was the time Napoleon got attacked by rabbits. I like that one. That was funny. That was funny. Yeah, that's one of my favorite history tidbits. That was a good tidbit. It's a good tidbit. Should we end out this episode with the random fact? Yes. Let's All right. do it. So would you like fun fact number 10 or number 35? 10. Alrighty. Apparently, Alfred Hitchcock was frightened of eggs. So the master of suspense who terrified audiences with movies like Psycho and The Birds, which is a terrifying movie. I hate I the hate birds. I hate the birds. It's so gross. I hate it. He considered himself to be an ovophobe, which is someone was frightened of eggs. Alfred Hitchcock explained to an interviewer in 1963, quote, I'm frightened of eggs, worse than frightened. They revolt me. That white round thing with any without any holes. And when you break it, inside there's just that yellow thing, round, without any holes. Blood What's is jolly. this whole thing? That's what I'm wondering. I don't know. <laughs> it kind of concerns me. So he said, blood is jolly, red, but yolk is yellow, revolting. I've never tasted it. I think blood is revolting. Yeah, isn't that weird? Weird. Isn't that like a weird insight to how his brain works? Because blood to him is beautiful and like interesting, but eggs... He's a weird sicko. Yeah, like, fair that's enough. That's all I can say. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I, I guess I've heard of people like not wanting to eat eggs, and I've heard of a lot of people that are just like the side of a revulsive, but I've never heard of it described as they don't have holes. Yeah, like, where's the holes? Like, that's weird. weird. <laughs> it's very weird. All right, Wanderers, thank you so much for listening to another Foolish Wanderers podcast, and thank you for just chilling with us as we took another easy episode. So like I said before... I'll leave the links to all the... So there's like a short video on the parachuting beavers and I'll leave the links to the the articles that we used in the description down below. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, please email us at fwplisteners at gmail.com. And new episodes are out every single Wednesday from wherever you get your podcasts from. And make sure you like, subscribe, comment, and hit that notifications button for updates on new episode releases. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you so much, Maunders. We'll see you guys next time.